Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you, whether you're in the room or joining us from the comfort of your own couch. Hey, this is flannel weather, isn't it? Hey, the heat's on in here. It's nice and comfortable. I pray that you are ready to jump in and experience the goodness and the grace of God as we open up the Bible together. But before we do that, hey, don't you appreciate Pastor Robin's message last week? Don't you love his tagline and how he updated us on all the church planting initiatives? You don't gotta, you get it. You don't gotta serve, you don't gotta give. You get to do all those things for the sake of Jesus. It's a good, good thing. And now our scripture today comes from Luke 22. We're gonna begin in verse 31 through 34. But before we stand, I wanna give you a little bit of background on this. This is Jesus hanging out with the disciples in a very important moment. This is what's called the Lord's Supper. So Jesus, he's taken the bread and he's broken. He said, this is my body broken for you. He's also taken the cup of wine. And he said, this represents my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And then he dropped a bomb on him. He said that one of them was going to betray him. And they started arguing about that. And then for some reason or another, they started arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Now, I'm not absolutely sure, but I think Jesus used his conversation with Simon Peter to kind of break up that argument. So if you would stand in honor of reading God's word, it's what we base our life upon. And you'll see Luke 22 verses 31 through 34 on the screen. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Thank you. You may be seated. I keep hearing this phrase more and more. Sometimes it comes out of my mouth, I must confess, but it's one of the most depressing things that I hear. It's this, what's the point? What's the use? What's the purpose? Who cares? And whenever those things come out of our mouths, whenever we hear those things, it's because people have become disconnected from the purpose that God has for them. In the most challenging circumstances, we hear these things are like, maybe you're in your marriage and and you're fighting for your marriage and you're working on things and it seems like all you're doing is fighting more in your marriage. Or maybe you're trying to get your finances together and it just seems like you get one curveball after another and you can't get ahead and you think, what's the point? I should just give up. Or maybe you have a spiritual issue. You know, you've come to church and you know, you've got an issue that you want Jesus to help with and he's not helping in the way that you expect or when you expect. And you think, what's the use? What's the point? What's the purpose? In fact, it's not that hard to find people who've walked away from Jesus. And when you hear their story and you have an honest conversation with them, most of them do so because they haven't been able to find the purpose in their pain. And so today we're going to look at Jesus' interaction with Peter and find how God is at work in and through the challenges and suffering that we face. You know, there's a saying rolling around and it's obvious, it's true. You know, people hate pain. And of course, no one signs up, hey, I want some pain. You know, no one does that. But actually, I have some friends who actually do that very thing. And they're my friends. I've got one friend, he loves triathlons. Yeah, that's when you you know, bike, bike, bike till your legs catch on fire. And, you know, then you swim until you feel like you're about to drown. And then you run. Doesn't that sound delightful? 
And he signs up for this. In fact, there's all kinds of different levels of triathlons, but the big one is the Ironman. And if you want to sign up to be a part of the Ironman, it might cost you 650 bucks. Now, that doesn't include the travel, the accommodations, the bike, the gear, the food, all that kind of stuff. I have other friends of mine. They love pain as well. They love to run. Oh, my goodness. They love to run? They even run marathons. They take their vacation time and spend their money to go run a marathon. And then there's some of you. One of the most depressing things about the whole pandemic when it broke out last spring was that you couldn't do the mini indie. Now, just, just please, please do this for me. If anything is 13.1 miles, it is not many, okay? It's just not many. And then the, the craziest one is CrossFit. You pay every month to be a part of a CrossFit club. What do they do? You go there and someone cheers you on as they torture you. You get to flip tires. You do, you do squats. You do chin-ups. You do push-ups until your muscles convulse in pain. And then you have competitions that you go to where you lunge carrying a big, huge tube or all kinds of crazy things that they do. Now, why do they inflict pain on themselves? And here's what every single one of them will tell you. You know, when I push my body, I actually feel better. When I go throughout the week and I exercise myself, even though I might be sore, I feel better. I have less pain. And not only that, I have less stress. And on top of all that, I know that because when I exercise and when I push my body, it releases endorphins. And those things are like the feel-good chemicals in your brain. And there's that sense of confidence that I get. Says, Look what I made my body do. And then there's the camaraderie. You get to do it with other people. I better watch out because I'm about to talk myself into an exercise routine if I'm not too careful. But let's think about a different kind of pain. Obviously, one of the challenging things about this COVID season that we're in is that we can't be together, at least not all of us. And one group that I really miss seeing, they usually sit pretty close here on the front row. It's a group of women from the Winchester house. In the Winchester house, they help women with children deal with and break free from addiction. And I want you to think about the pain of addiction. Because what happens is when you introduce these chemicals into your body, not only do you have an emotional attachment to them, like the brain chemicals, emotional brain chemical attachments that you have to break, there's also physiological attachments that happen too. The cells in your body can can metabolize and adapt to these things. And when you try to break free, it is excruciatingly painful. People have headaches, their hearts race, they sweat, their bodies seize up, they have tremors, and many times they have to have medical care just to break through that season as they're breaking that addiction. And you think, why would they go through the pain? And you know, you know why. They know why. Because they, they want to be a part of their baby's lives. They want to have meaningful relationships with other people. They want to be free, and we are so proud of them for the fight that they are fighting right now and the struggle that they are facing. But all of us experience pain, and sometimes it's not quite so easy to see the purpose in your pain. And whether or not you do this will have a profound impact on how you see life and how you see Jesus. Which leads us to our first thought today. It's this. Check it out on the screen. Sometimes God's preparation comes packaged as pain. 
And so when Jesus, he was talking to Simon Peter, instead of telling Simon Peter that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat, he could have just said this. Hey, Simon Peter, guess what? Uh, the devil, he wants to twist you, prod you, challenge you, tempt you, hurt you, do all kinds of things in your life. And I told him it's okay, but don't worry. I'm gonna pray for you that your faith won't fail. Now, just, just a little note to Jesus from me. If Satan ever asked to sift me like wheat, please just say no, Jesus, just say no. Just get the pin on and just say that, no, 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 no. I want you to think about what sifting looks like. Obviously, they harvest the wheat, and then what they would do is they would take the heads of the wheat and they would put it down on a stone surface or maybe even on hard ground. They would crunch up the chaff or the husk that remains around them, and then they would scoop that up and throw it up in the air. And hopefully, the wind would blow away most of the chaff. And then they would take everything and scoop all that up, and they would put it into a sieve, a big round sieve. And then they would start shaking. And they know the process of shaking because the dirt comes out. The rocks come out. The chaff comes out that didn't get blown away from beforehand. But there's also this process of sifting where this, it's this kind of a purification process. Because you have to reach in there. You got to pull out the rocks. And you got to look and see, well, there might be some weeds in there. And weeds do not make very good bread. And you pluck out those until it's just the kernels of wheat that are ready to be ground. Pain has this way of refining us if we let God work through it. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a while, and I know, I know this is true about you. You can look back in your life, and you can look at pain and trouble that you've experienced, and you can see how God has used that to draw you closer to him. Maybe some of you, you've got kids, and you had some challenges with your kiddo. Without even thinking about it, you know, your prayer life, it, it really shifted. And your priorities came into line in the midst of all that. And so many of us, especially in the midst of this pandemic, you know, maybe you have COVID right now. Maybe you're quarantining right now. And it affects so many people in so different ways, but maybe you're suffering with that. And, you're, and you found God in that moment. You've been reaching out to him in the midst of your pain. Or maybe some of you are dealing with the challenges of being underemployed or unemployed. And there's all this uncertainty and God's using that in your life to build your faith and trust in him. Now, I must confess when I'm thinking about this conversation that Jesus and Simon Peter had, I can be a little belligerent, um, you know, kind of thinking like one of the guys and guys, you know how this works. Maybe your buddy uh, tells you about something bad that's happened. Like not something awful, but you know, I lost my wallet or, you know, I forgot my girl's birthday or had a flat tire, something like that. And these words came out of your mouth to kind of tease your friend and to kind of let them know that you're with them. And you'll say this, well, stinks to be you. And whenever I read this circumstance and I hear Jesus say these words to Simon and Peter, I think, man, stinks to be you, Simon Peter. And you know what? The Holy Spirit just took my eyeballs and put them right on one little word in the middle of this statement. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you. Oh, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about all the disciples. In fact, to get the correct interpretation of this Greek word all, you have to head south. When you head south, you realize it means all y'all. So we are all going to be sifted. Satan is after all of us. We all experience the shaking and the challenges that come in life. And of course, it's different for every single person. 
but we all know what it's like to be shaken by pain. Jesus can use any pain in your life to fulfill his purpose. In fact, I want you to see a little bit of what Peter was going through in his denials when he denied Jesus those three times. So Jesus gets arrested and Peter's kind of following at a distance, trying to figure out what's going on. He's really confused. And someone asks him, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? He says, no, 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 I don't know him. And then that happened again. Another person asked him, aren't you one of his disciples? And he denied Jesus yet again. And then this little servant girl, like the least threatening person in this society. She's a servant. She's a female. She's young. She's the lowest person in the socioeconomic, you know, social strata right there. And she's convinced. And I want you to hear what happened in Mark 14. This little girl said to Simon Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And then Peter began to call down curses. And he swore and swore to them, I don't know this man that you are talking about. And as soon as he said it, he looked to the left and Jesus looked to the right. And Peter knew that Jesus heard every single word he said. And he ran off and wept bitterly. And some of us, some of us, We know how Peter feels. Now, maybe we've never denied him to a little servant girl, but we know what it's like to say, I'm never going to do this. I'm always going to be faithful. And then we fail. And sometimes we fail on a grand scale. And we know the guilt and the challenges. And some of us are going through that right now. See, in the midst of all this turmoil and all this pressure that comes from being in this COVID world, it puts so many challenges upon us relationally. There's so much loneliness, so much isolation, and so much fear. And sometimes we find ourselves, we're going back to things that we know aren't helpful for us, but make us feel good just in that very moment. Maybe you find yourself watching things that you know you shouldn't be watching. Or maybe you find yourself like me, you know, when I'm feeling empty, when I'm feeling bad, I think if I eat something that tastes good, that the inside of me, that all of me will feel good. If I'm feeling empty inside, if I think if I fill my stomach, I will fill my soul. How many of you know that doesn't work that way? It just doesn't. Or maybe, maybe you're just trying to self-medicate, medicate your way out of your stress and pain in the midst of all this mess. But when we're looking to find the purpose in our pain, sometimes it's less obvious. When I think about my life, and I'm supposed to be a Christian, I'm supposed to be someone who loves Jesus, which means I'm supposed to be someone who displays the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And sometimes what I see in my own life is fear, frustration, anger, insecurity, inferiority, worry. Which is why, number two, I want you to see this on the screen. See your pain through the perspective of purpose. Remember, there is a purpose in your pain. Remember that sifting happens up in your head. We think the sifting happens in our circumstances and everything that's happening around us, but no, sifting happens on the inside. And realize that God usually does something in you before he does something through you. Think about this. How does God build patience into our lives? He does it by putting us into circumstances that require and test our patience. Which, note to self, Glenn, never pray for patience because God always answers that prayer. Um, What if Jesus wants to give you courage? 
know that you're going to stand face to face with some of your fears. What about this? What if the Lord wants to help you have more self-control? You know, you're going to come face to face with some indulgence there, with with some of the impulses that you deal with sometimes in order for him to build your self-control. And how you see those circumstances, how you see the struggles and pains, both big and little, make all the difference in your life. You see, when I know that Satan is the one shaking, when I know that he's the one trying to sift me, when I know that he's after me, it gives me strength. You know, that competitive part of us rises up. It's like, I'm not gonna let him get the best of me. I'm gonna push back. And see, the enemy, he wants you to forget that God can make sense, that he can use those awful things that are going on in your life for his good. He wants you to think that's just the way it is. It's just random. There's no help. There's no hope. Because when we see the truth that Jesus is with us, that he will see us through regardless of how we feel, it gives us strength and we fight back harder. I want you to see Romans 8, 28 as it comes up on the screen. It's one of my favorite verses. It's one of so many people's favorite verses. In fact, I know it's on coffee mugs and t-shirts, and I know somebody has this as their screensaver. I want you to see these words on the screen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. See the power in this verse. All things means everything. All things means that God works for good in the engagement and the breakup. That means that God works for good in the pay raise and the pay cut. That means that God works for good when you're feeling great and when you're struggling with your health. And I love the qualifier that this verse adds on to it. It says, he works for good in our lives according to his purpose. That's the qualifier. Sometimes I like to misunderstand and twist this verse around just a little bit and think that God makes everything good for me, that he makes my life good, makes everything easy, makes everything wonderful, but that's not what it says, is it? You know, there's this troubling quote that I hear a lot, especially when people are dealing with pain, especially when they're struggling, and I'm not sure how to interpret it. Here it is. Everything happens for a reason. And when I think about that, there, there are some reasons But I don't know if everything happens for a reason, but if you take that statement to the extreme and you think, well, everything happens for a reason means that God causes everything and nothing that happens is not God's will. And that's really hard for me to wrap my mind around because I can think of some specific things in my life that weren't God's will. Like the last time I sinned, that was not God's will. So everything that happens may not be God's will, but God will use everything that happens for his will for you and for me for his purpose. I'm sure of this fact. God uses everything for good for his purpose in you. And friends, please, especially if you're struggling, do not miss this concept. I want you to see it as it comes up on the screen. Jesus is with you. He's with you in the middle of your pain. And he proves this with Simon Peter I love how many times Jesus uses Simon Peter's name. He starts off, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon. This is significant. It's significant because there are going to be times in your life when you think that Jesus has forgotten your name. In fact, there might be times when you even think he doesn't even know you exist. 
And in those moments, you can trust that he is with you, especially in your own disappointment. And I want to help you connect a little bit with some of the disappointment that Peter was feeling. Remember, we talked about how this conversation was happening at the Lord's table. This is like the, Jesus was doing the path. He was doing the, the meal and everything and passing the cup around and, and all that was going on, talking about his death. And, and in the midst of that, Peter, he just doesn't know how to process that. And I think that because Jesus talked so much about the kingdom of God, that the disciples, they had a hard time distinguishing the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world. And I have just a hunch that they thought that there was going to be some kind of political structure, that they were going to you know, like have some kind of pecking order, some kind of authority when Jesus takes over as king and has like a throne, like a physical throne. And so for Peter, he's this visionary guy. He's a doer. He's a, he makes things happen. And he knows that, yeah, I'm going to play a big role when Jesus shakes up this world. And, and he sees how things are going to go and how they're going to, how they're going to play out. And then Jesus hands himself over to the religious leaders, to those soldiers. Peter won't have any of it. In fact, he draws his sword and tries to chop this guy's head in half, but he misses and cuts off his ear. And then Jesus sticks the guy's ear on. He says, come on, Peter, stop it. And there's another time when Jesus was explaining that he was going to have to die. And Peter said, no, that is not going to happen. Never. And then Jesus looked right at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. And so Peter was crushed when Jesus handed himself over. Unbelievably disappointed. This is a reminder that even if you're angry with Jesus, even if you're disappointed in him, Jesus is speaking your name. He is with you. He is carrying you every step of the way. Because friends, the deeper your pain, the closer he is. There will be moments when you feel forgotten you are not. Force yourself, force yourself to look past your feelings and recognize that Jesus is with you, that he will see you through in the midst of your pain. And one excuse we like to throw around is our own failures. You see, Jesus is even with you in the midst of the pain of your failure. You, Jesus, he prophesied over Simon Peter a couple things. He prophesied that Peter was going to fail. He talked about how he was going to deny Jesus three times. But he also prophesied that he was going to come back. And I think it's pretty cool that Jesus told Peter about his comeback before he told him about his failure. Now, I confess I can be a little sarcastic sometimes. And sometimes my sarcasm comes out when I'm studying the Bible or praying and and this is one of those moments uh, because when you think about Jesus' prayer for Simon Peter, he prayed that Simon Peter's faith would not fail. And I think, well, should have prayed a little harder, Jesus. Tough luck with that one. But that's not what Jesus prayed, is it? And I realize that Jesus prayed that Simon Peter's faith would not fail. So there's a difference between our faith failing and our actions failing. It's an important distinction to make because the point of all this, the point of everything that he went through and the point of this conversation being recorded with Peter, it wasn't that Peter failed. It was that Peter came back. That was the point of all this. I want you to imagine what it must have been like for Peter when he went off and wept bitterly. Don't you know the enemy 
the devil, Satan, he was shaking him with all that he could. He said, you are worthless. You call yourself a disciple. You think you're going to lead somebody and you let a little servant girl intimidate you. You're running away in fear. You denied him. You did the very thing you promised you wouldn't do. Don't you even bother coming to him. He doesn't want to see you. Now, friends, I can identify with those thoughts because we all know what it's like to fail, to let Jesus down. But then comes the most encouraging words that Jesus said to Peter. He said these words, when you have returned, when you come back. Just like Jesus knows when you're going to fail, he knows when I'm going to fail. He also knows that you're going to come back. And so what are you waiting for? Now is the time. Now is the time for you to come back to Jesus. Now is the time for you to push past your pain, push past your confusion, push past your disappointment and run to Jesus because he loves you. He cares about you and he is with you. Your old behaviors don't define you. Your weaknesses don't limit how God can use you. So step away from your shame. Step away from your guilt and receive the peace and the love and the help and the encouragement that can only come from Jesus. Because Jesus will never, listen to me, Jesus will never give up on you. Never, never. The only question is, will you give up on Jesus? Don't give up on him and don't give up on yourself either. Which leads us to our next thought today. It's this. Number four, the greater the pain, the bigger the potential. You see, the same pain that Satan wanted to use to tear down Peter is the pain that Jesus used to give him courage and hope and strengthen him to help other people. You see, every time you and I get sifted, Satan gambles. No one just stays the same when you're walking through the middle of pain. You either fall away from God or you doubt him or you veer or you come closer to Jesus. You trust him with more and you experience his grace to a greater degree. And Jesus even told Peter, he said, when you come back, you're going to strengthen the brothers. You're going to strengthen others because friends, when you come back, you come back stronger. When you come back, you come back with greater authority. When you come back, you come back more able to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Because your life, your experiences, your past doesn't define you. Let the God of the universe, let his potential and his grace define who you are. Our God is a redeeming God. The very thing that the enemy wanted to use to beat you down and tear you down, Jesus is using to build you up and not just that, to help other people. Our church is filled with people who have let the Holy Spirit use their pain to strengthen others. You know what? There's dozens of couples in our church. I don't even know all of them for sure. And let me tell you, they've been through some stuff. They've had some challenges. They've, they've had some pain. Uh, they've worked through some things and it was looking pretty dicey. And as they've worked through that, they got the courage to share their story. Maybe not from the stage, but maybe just with some people. And here's what God does. God connects them with another couple. 
They're in the midst of that conflict. That fight is happening in their lives right now. And what God does is he takes the thing that the enemy tried to use to destroy them and he uses that to infuse life and strength and power into a couple that is struggling. And they find freedom and hope to a greater degree because this couple offered their pain to Jesus. I've watched so many of you deal with grief. And then there's the unthinkable pain of burying your own child. It's so incredibly challenging. And so here's what some of you have done. You've, you've offered that pain to Jesus, that loss and that grief. And Jesus has met you there. And then you find yourself being connected with other people who are dealing with grief. And you are an agent of the Holy Spirit to give them hope, to give them reassurance, to let them know that better days are coming, that God is at work. You know, on a lighter note, we talk a lot about finances and money and we use Dave Ramsey's stuff all the time. And yeah, Ramsey, he's kind of a genius. He's taken the complicated things about getting out of debt and managing your finances and investment. He's kind of made it simple. But the real power behind Dave Ramsey is his failure. You see, he built a fortune. He was a multimillionaire and blew it all and went bankrupt. And his failure is what gives him credibility. It's what propelled him to help him find those truths to build financial future on. And of course, the best leaders for AA, the best leaders for Celebrate Recovery are those who have dealt with addiction themselves. The greater the pain, the bigger the purpose, the greatest pain in your life, God has plans to use. I don't believe God caused it, but I know God will use it. I wanna invite the band to come up here. And as they do, I wanna read James 1, verses two through four. And I think it'll have new meaning with considering our conversation this morning. And James says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jesus used Peter's pain, Peter's failure to propel him into his purpose. You know that guy, that same guy who ran away in shame and fear, calling down curses because of the pressure of a little servant girl. He was the guy who stood up on Pentecost and preached to thousands of people and multiple thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus for the first time because of him. He's the guy who led the church. When you look through the book of Acts, Peter is the guy who's speaking on behalf of the disciples, the one who fell away. Peter, he's one of the guys who fell asleep when Jesus said, guys, I need you to have my back. I need you to pray for me as I'm praying. And he fell asleep. He's the same guy. And he prayed for a girl who was dead and she was raised to life. Peter was the guy who would walk down the street one day in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and just his shadow touching anybody immediately healed them of any malady they had. And Peter was the guy 
the one who tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross, the one who got in Jesus' face and tried to keep him from offering his life for the world. He's the guy who offered his life for the sake of Christ. And you know what tradition tells us? That Peter refused to be crucified upright. And so they crucified Peter upside down. He didn't think himself worthy to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. Friends, I want you to know, God feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. And he didn't cause it, but he will use it. Don't let him, don't let yourself throw that pain away. God has big plans for you. He wants to use you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to use you to help other people. And so don't run away from him because God's pain prepares us. <laughs> Jesus is with us. And there's mighty things that God wants to do with your pain. Would you bow your heads with me? And before we pray, I just wanna ask you a few questions. <laughs> I want you to think about your pain. Has it kept you from Jesus? I know you're watching, I know you're in the room, but have you been keeping Jesus at an arm's length because of what you've been through or what you're going through? And I pray that you sense the love of God coming upon you right now. I pray you sense his purpose, his delight in you, and knowing that you're not alone, And maybe some of us, as we think about our pain, we realize there's a potential that Jesus wants to tap into. There's a way that he wants to use our pain to help other people. And if that's you, make a choice right now to share your story, to help other people. And maybe you're listening online or you're in the room. It's the first time you realize that Jesus was at work in your life, even in your darkest moments. Maybe you've let your doubt and your failure keep you away from Jesus and you realize that it's time for you to follow Peter's example and turn to Jesus. If that's you, you can pray this prayer in your heart and in your mind. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe that you bore my pain on that cross and I offer myself to you. I apologize for doubting you. I ask for your forgiveness. I know I've done wrong, but I also know that you love me and have the best in store for me. And I give my life to you. I give you all of it, Jesus. Now and the rest of my life, I choose to live for you. So Jesus, together, all of us, we all choose to connect with you, to reach out to you, to find your strength, your hope, and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, would you stand with me? Jesus is worthy of praise.